here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Pat and Scott doing our dive into our rankings preseason, of course, which changed by the moment uh, based on preseason plays. You know, everybody's out there. Uh, look at the look at the amount of touches so and so had, and maybe an injury changes our rankings or uh, a depth chart move or something like that. So we uh, we did talk about the quarterbacks recently. Uh, we have uh, all the big positions coming up. Uh, today, we're going to focus on the tight ends. I am a big fan of that position uh, when it comes to fantasy football. I know for some other folks, they tend to, uh, you know, not value it maybe as highly. And, and again, that's that's all good. It's pick your poison concepts. So uh, we're going to get into who we most of our most of our guys are, are pretty much lined up correctly. But there's a there's a, about a half dozen out there that we're a little far apart on and, and again i tend to be that guy so you know we'll, we'll go over why i have no clue what i'm talking about uh pat maybe you could help help everybody out with that yeah like scott said the uh the, the rankings are changing constantly we we try very hard to update our rankings uh sheets which are available on our website www.the9routeffb.com uh go there and right on the home page you'll see the front page you'll see the uh the rankings you can look at Scott's rankings. You can look at my rankings. We also have our consensus rankings available on that page. So every time we do an update, it, it gets directly changed on the website. So if you're if you're interested in going and checking out, you know where we have these guys individually or where we have them as a group, uh, go ahead and and check out the website. Also make sure to follow us on social media. Scott is at Scott from Delco. I am at the Nine Route One and. Uh, we also have some information on our social media pages for stuff as far as our giveaway and things like that, which um, we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit later in the show. But yeah, when it comes to tight ends, it's it's hard to rank tight ends because in most cases, I mean, other other than you know Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, maybe Kyle Pitts this year, but you don't really see the tight end being sort of the focal point of the offense. So it gets a little bit more difficult to rank tight ends as opposed to, you know, wide receivers, because you kind of know where they fall on the depth chart. In in a lot of cases with these tight ends, we're assuming, you know, that these guys are going to be, you know, possibly the number two or the number three target in the passing game. But we don't really know that for sure. A lot of quarterback changes, a lot of, you know, teammates coming and going that change the dynamic of, of an offense. So, that's probably why we're a little bit different. I think in most instances with our, our tight end rankings, uh, you and I are just of different opinions on, you know, where these guys fall in the pecking order of, of their offense. And I think that's, that's probably the biggest deciding factor on where we have these guys ranked. But uh, what we're going to do is just go over our tight end rankings first. We'll go through, we'll go through the top 16 in our consensus. Cause that's, really kind of who we're covering if you'd like to see you know beyond 16 like i said go check out our website all of our rankings are up there and they are updated um as soon as we update them they update right on the website so tight ends checking in on our tight ends as far as our consensus rank we have travis kelsey ranked number one george kittle and kyle pitts tied for number two 
Mark Andrews at four, Darren Waller at five, Zach Ertz at six, Cole Komet at seven, Dalton Schultz at eight, Hawkinson at nine, Pat Fryermuth at 10, Dallas Goddard comes in at 11, we have Dawson Knox ranked at number 12, Gerald Everett number 13, Hunter Henry 14, Albert Okwebenam at number 15, and then Mike Isicki at 16. And, you know, the funny thing looking at these rankings is that difference that we have on a lot of these guys. You can see where that comes in because we both have uh, Dawson Knox ranked at 10 in our tight end rankings, but yet he comes in at 12 because one of us or both of us may be a little bit higher or lower on another guy that may push that player uh, just above or just below that that ranking. So if you are looking at our consensus rankings that you are taking into consideration that like some of these guys, uh, and, and we're going to hit some of them now, some of these guys are ranked a lot higher by one of us than by the other, which kind of brings up their overall consensus ranking. But, you know, depending on who you like in a certain situation, these rankings are just, you know, sort of our feelings about where these guys fall. And the consensus really, you know, like I said, the consensus may not be either of our feelings, but it's just kind of a middle ground to where both of us sort of fall in the same player. So you, uh, you want to jump right into tight end number one? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we, uh, why don't we get in there? Dalton Schultz, I believe you have him uh, as high up on your ranking as five. Uh, I have him way lower uh, at 14. Not and he's going as the tight end six off of the board and on sleeper right now. So he's his ADP is is tight end six. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I he had a little bit of a contract dispute. You know, they didn't want to sign him to a long term deal, so uh, he got franchised. If I'm not mistaken, yes. Uh, so he's on he's a one year deal. Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin, uh, was was drafted and is chomping at the bit to get in there. I don't – it's weird. Dallas's offense changed a little bit. Obviously, Amari Cooper went out the door to Cleveland, and right now this is, you know, C.D. Lamb's offense. They drafted Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Dallas does seem to have that constant running farm system of wide receivers. Gallup hasn't been healthy over the last few years, but once he gets off the pup list, uh, you might see him get into action. Obviously, you know, with the running game, Tony Pollard can be a little bit of a dual threat out of the backfield as well. I just feel like Schultz last year was, you know, he had a, an amazing year. I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere in a sense where Blake Jarwin was kind of the guy. And then Schultz just blew right past him and, again, had that big season where you're figuring, okay, you know, he's going to be their next a Kelsey, a Mark Andrews, a, you know, a, a George Kittle, so to speak. Heavily targeted in their offense, he was the second – Tied with Amari Cooper for second in targets on the team, um, you know, obviously behind C.D. Lamb, was close, at like over 800 yards. The eight touchdowns is another one where, uh, you know, everybody's looking at Dawson Knox to fall off a cliff because of the touchdown regression. And, oh, you know, he's not going to have as much. And, and uh, while some of that may be true, I think then if, if you feel that way, then it, it has to apply here as well. You know, last year you had – what four guys tied with nine touchdowns, including Knox. Uh, Hunter Henry was another one too. Dalton Schultz was then technically in second place with eight touchdowns. So is that all going to funnel through him again? I don't think Dallas will 
do that. I don't think you're going to have him on that one-year deal. I don't think you're going to have a, a young tight end that you drafted that you're willing to pump through and give him the volume. Jalen Tolbert's been getting a lot of hype in camp. Pollard's being looked at as the the next guy up, so to speak, where Ezekiel Elliott has a big contract, but they're going to have the ability to maneuver out of that based on a lot of factors. So I think you're going to want to get him a little bit more involved as well. You know, C.D. Lamb again last year was was their top guy, and and I don't see them moving away from that. Dallas runs that team like a business more than a football team, which I am perfectly fine with. So I think between touchdown regression, starting to get Ferguson involved more, again, they're not going to cut their nose off to spike their face. Maybe they will a little bit, but you're going to have a lot of factors going against Schultz. And I do think that through the season, I think for a lot of people, maybe not as far down as I had them, but you know, at the same time, that one through four, it, it sounds horrible to say I have them 14th and the ADP is six, but that one through four, one through five almost are like almost virtual locks when it comes to the tight end position. It's everybody after that where you look at them and go, well, if they get enough chances here or if this happens there, again, the 14 could easily go to eight, seven, six. Absolutely. But for the sake of two to three touchdowns, which you know, depending on your league is maybe like 20 some odd points plus the receptions and PPR. So you're talking maybe 25 points. That's a swing. That's something that's going to drop your tight end from uh, that bottom half of the top 10 to just outside the top 10. That's why I have him. I don't think he's a bad player or anything like that. Yeah, I think that um, the reason that I have him, you know, up where he's going, I actually have him a little bit higher than than where he's going is just because you know, Dallas was one of the best offenses in the league last year, probably the best offense. If you look at statistically, they had the most yards, most touchdowns, most points scored. So for me, I I usually contribute offense mainly to the quarterback. And that, you know, I understand that Dallas has a, a good one-two punch at the running back position. Like you talked about, yes, Tony Pollard will probably be a little bit more involved in you know, some route running and, and some pass catching work this year. But to me, the loss of Amari Cooper only bumps Dalton Schultz up a little bit. And he finished as the tight end three last season. And that was with the sixth most targets amongst all tight ends in the league. So uh, like I said, the loss of Cooper, Michael Gallup, not being ready for the beginning of the season and then, and not really being sure when he may be ready. James Washington, who was a wide receiver that they brought in to sort of help out the offense while Gallup was getting healthy, while, you know, Jalen Tolbert was learning the playbook. He's already injured. Um, Looks like he's probably out for the season. So for me, Schultz is like the number two wide receiver on this team. And, you know, like I said, I have him ranked at five, but I honestly feel like I may be a little bit too low on him. And he finished as a tight end three last year with, you know, good stats, not, not great, but good stats. But what really helped him was his eight tight ends. It was tied for the second most amongst all tight ends in the league last year. And honestly, I I think that's low for this year. I think if Dallas's offense operates in any sort of capacity, the way that it did last year, I can see him easily getting double digit tight, uh, double digit touchdowns this year at the tight end position and being amongst the, the league leaders. Again, it's just a matter of, you know, will he still have his, you know, he, he finished as the tight end three with only 78 receptions and 800, a little over 800 yards. So while he was 
much further down. Uh, you know, 40 points separated him from the tight end too. I, I think that there's a, a good chance that, you know, again, give him 10 to 12 touchdowns and a similar stat line as far as receptions and yardage. And, you know, anything below tight end five, I think is going to be disappointing for Schultz. I know he's going as the tight end six, but uh, I just, I feel like he's in a great spot. He's not the most athletic or talented guy at the tight end position, but he's talented enough and in a good enough offense and has a big enough role where I think tight end five is probably close to his floor as, as long as he stays healthy. Again, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I just don't, uh, you know, uh, to to counter your counter there, I I I, I get where I think he's definitely going to be a part of that offense. I just, you know, for the sake of the points, like you mentioned, yeah, like there was like a big drop between two and three, and then you know you had like George Kittle right behind him within about ten points. Kyle Pitts had a great season, but it just didn't work out with touchdowns. I mean, some of these guys get those extra 20 30 points which doesn't seem like you're getting that many but yeah for the sake of a couple of touchdowns i feel like you could slide down or where yeah he, he could be the focal point i just feel like he is not going to get phased out but similar to a guy maybe down the list that that there's a chance that maybe he doesn't quite get as many opportunities as we're thinking or or you never know you never know what's going on in jerry's mind so all right next up on the list is cole Komet. we have him at I'm uh, sorry, you have him at tight end six. I have him at 11. He is currently going as the 13th tight end on sleeper. We're both high on commit. You are a lot higher than I am. So uh, I'll give my little quick rundown on what I think. And then you can take it away from there because I'm sure you probably have a little bit more than I do. But uh, I mean, I, like I said, I have him at 11. I think he will be a top 12 tight end this year. I think that the Bears offense is so desperate for any type of pass catching work that Komet just falls in line for, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred targets, which, you know, if you look at all the tight ends, that got a hundred targets last year. I think there was, there was five tight ends that had a uh, hundred targets or more six tight ends that had a hundred targets or more last year. And all six of them finished in the top 12 in fantasy points. So I think if, Cole Komet can break that 100-target mark, which seems fairly doable. Uh, he's definitely in line for a top-12 season. Could he finish as high as you have him? Yeah, definitely. It's a possibility. I have him at 11 because I'm a little bit – just a little bit weary of how good the Bears' offense is going to be and, and what his – you know, we were just talking about touchdowns. I, I don't know what the expectation is going to be for him to be scoring touchdowns this year. If he gets five, six touchdowns, I think that would be a stretch, which is why I have him at eleven. Why do you have him up at at six? What do you uh, What do you feel in there? Uh, again, I think a lot of it has to do with with the touchdown factor. Where obviously in PPR, if you're doing six plus the catch, you're talking you're getting the seven points. Last year, and you just kind of hit on it a little bit. You know, he he became a, a pretty decent part of their offense, um, which their offense wasn't that decent. Uh, you saw Allen Robinson kind of fall off a cliff and and whatnot with them. You had some quarterback things going on. Justin Fields, they didn't know if they wanted to give him the team. Andy Dalton was there. There were injuries. At one point, Nick Foles was in there. So you had a lot of moving parts for a team that has been in transition for the last few years. You finally got away from the Matt Nagy offense, and now you're, you're moving on to a new coaching staff that has 
little bit more of a dynamic, so to speak, background. Uh, I think that plays a, a, a big part of it. Now, again, their, their coaching staff is is definitely going to look to pick out who are their guys. Now, they just had a they just had a draft and and were able to bring in some bodies and stuff. But when it comes to Cole Komet, I mean, when you look at what he did for them last season. He was the second most targeted player on the team. He did have 60 receptions and just over 600 yards and, and all the good stuff. And, and he was a very good player. The thing that jumps out at you is, again, when it comes to that touchdown factor, is that he had none. Uh, I mean, that that's glaring. Like, if you look at mostly – if you look at all the tight ends from last year and, and how they did and how they scored, and for him to finish – 20th and have some pretty decent stats to back himself up with, but he had no touchdowns whatsoever. The chances of that happening in back-to-back years with the amount of volume that he had should easily throw him up the list while other people kind of slide off. Now, taking a little bit of a deeper dive into it, if you look at him in the the red zone itself, he was targeted 14 times inside the 20 and only had six receptions. And then it kind of disappears as you keep getting closer and closer, which kind of leads you to think that they either went to Robinson or Mooney or uh, really just tried to do a little ground and pound. Again, that offense was very rough, uh, to say the least. Their defense carried him a lot to six wins, and, and that was about it. I feel like Komet and Pat, you said it in the beginning, is really going to be one of the other guys. Like If you look around, you say, okay, what's their offense? Darnell Mooney is their number one wide receiver, and, and they've kind of stuck their their flag there. Komet is your number two, where, yes, your tight end is is kind of that. It's almost going back to what you just said about what we talked about with Schultz. Their running game seems pretty decent. Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, you have a couple players right there. Their offensive line play and, and how they can protect fields is probably going to dictate a large amount of how effective they are, period. But I do think that in, a, in an adverse sense that that – it just can't be that that this guy goes two seasons is a quality tight end, but for fantasy purposes, he's moot because he doesn't get a single touchdown. Does he have a half a dozen probably floating around out there? Sure, you know, and that's going to bump him up again. Where instead of finishing as the tight end twenty, if you were to add, oh god, you know, another like thirty points to him, suddenly he slides up pretty far and and is scratching at the top 10 and some of these names flow and ebb back and forth. You don't have Gronkowski there anymore, at least for now. You're taking another big name off of that top 10 list right off the bat and a lot of other people that want to fill in. I think his potential in that offense to become one of these guys who just becomes a go-to in the league because you are going to start to see a little bit of a transition. Travis Kelsey's got a couple years left. Kittle stays healthy here and there, but you know we'll see where he ends up Zach Ertz only has about a year or two left. Um, you know, a few of these guys are getting a little longer in the tooth. And, you know, he's a year or two away, actually. Yeah, next season will be the last unless they decide to re-up him on a contract. So he's going to be playing his butt off uh, out there. And, and, again, I like a lot of what I see with him. I think he's got the potential to be to be that guy. I think he's got the potential to be that top, you know, eight, top six tight end uh, in the league based off of the volume he's going to get and, and a lot of check downs and dump offs from fields who might be running for his life for another season, unfortunately. So again, I, I do see that, the, you know, I'm not a big math guy, but at the same time, the stats just don't lie. That, like there's no way a guy goes dry for two seasons in a row. And I think this offense is a lot more competent and, and knows that that position is something, especially when you're 
getting down into the goalpost area and, and their shadow, you, you want to go with what got you there. Uh, you don't want to just leave this guy high and dry. So I, I think Cole Komet definitely makes it into the top 10. Uh, again, I have him as high as, as six right now. All right, moving on to the next tight end. Pat Fryermuth is the next one we're going to talk about. I have him at 12. You have him at seven right behind Komet. He's currently going right ahead of Komet as the 11th tight end off the board. So I'm, I'm right there close to ADP. You, again, are, are a lot higher on Friar Muth than seems the rest of the fantasy football world. So what is your uh, <laughs> what is your your reasoning behind that? And listen, I'm, I'm not saying... The one thing that I will say about you is you have your convictions and you stick with them. And listen, the reason that, you know, you were my my go-to when we started this fantasy football podcast was because I've never seen anybody pull rabbits out of a hat the way you do in fantasy football. So, uh, you know, for, for me to sit here and, and pretend like because I'm closer to, uh, you know, what consensus is uh, means that, you know, I'm somehow closer to the truth. That is complete. As we learned last year when we did these rankings, there was a lot of guys that were way off of where the public and you know where a lot of fantasy football analysts had them. So I'm I'm genuinely interested in in hearing your take on Friar Muth. Well, I mean, appreciate that. I mean, again, you know, getting lucky often is is one thing, but no, trying to go in there and, and just take a look at again a position that for a lot of years was you know, ignored. There were, and there were, for a good reason, there were one, two, maybe three players that were legit and that's it. But as you've seen this league really start to move into just multifaceted passing offense, and this has become an important part of it to the point where you look at a team again, like Kansas city chiefs that, that have won a super bowl. And when you really step back and look at their offense and you go, well, what got them there? And it's the quarterback, Pat Mahomes. It's, it was Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, a take the top off of a defense type of wide receiver. But they live and die with Travis Kelsey. And, I mean, that is, uh, you know, a scary thought to think that that one position is that important. Uh, I think in fantasy, and, and again, nowadays it's it's not just the basic redraft leagues where you just have one or two guys at that position and that's it. Um, you know, QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and then you're getting into defenses and stuff. Now, when you're getting into dynasty leagues and you're getting into super flex leagues with tight end bonuses, I feel like that that is a big factor that that kind of pushes these people up the food chain, so to speak. And the young tight ends that are coming in, again, you see them more and more getting used. Pat Fryermuth last year, you know, was a name. Uh, you know, he had a like, little bit of a disappointing week one. He only had one target. Then it was four, five, one, two, seven right before the bye week, coming out of the bye week, they knew that they were going to start to push their offense through him a little bit more. And again, that was limitations at the quarterback position. Uh, you had lost Juju Smith-Schuster. You really had Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris were really the only two guys that were consistent enough for him. Chase Claypool had a, had a rough, uh, rough sophomore season. But through it all, I, I, I feel like, you know, he was a little limited on targets, and that's just in that beginning of the season where – you had a couple games where he really wasn't looked at as much. I, I, I know he's got that potential, uh, again, to be another guy. If you look at him in the red zone, again, where, where, where the money is made, uh, he was tied for, and this is as a rookie, he was tied for second as the most targeted inside the 20 
with you know a couple other names there, Zach Ertz, Cameron Bray, Tyler Higby, and right behind Mark Andrews. They're going to look for him pretty much all the time down there because they know he's a big target. Now, you're walking into a different quarterback altogether this year. We don't know who it's going to be yet. Is it going to be Mitchell Trubisky? Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? Is it going to be Mason Rudolph? I, I think that that offense is going to look at what got them there. Now, I'm, I'm big on Najee Harris this year, definitely. Deontay Johnson, yeah, I, I feel like you know he may not repeat his 1,000 targets from last year, but at the same time, he's definitely going to be your wide receiver one on that offense, no, no matter what. But I mean, to really see what his potential was last year, again, sometimes you get a little bit of a sophomore slump, so to speak. And it looks like a lot of his work really was done in that capacity. I mean, he didn't catch for a lot of yards. He was under five, 60 catches, but under 500 yards receiving. I think they're going to let him in, instead of letting him tiptoe. They're going to they're going to allow him to strut a little bit more and and realize what they have there with that offense, with that team, and and what players are going to get them to wins and playoff positions and and everything else. Again, he was really good for them last year. Uh, I know a lot of people are high on a young player from Georgia, George Pickens, uh, as being their next big thing, but. You're still young. It's still early in the season, preseason. I mean, we're not even, again, God, we're not even in the regular season yet. But I feel like for Pat Fryermuth, it, it's that onward and upward concept where I, I feel like, again, you're going to see a lot of these names that had been there for, you know, the last couple of years, uh, uh, Zach Ertz and, and again, Gronkowski's gone, and, and they already have Ertz as a parent out there in Arizona, that you're going to see some of these names start to slide up where when you really take a look at that roster and you say, okay, who's that quarterback going to be thrown to? And if their offensive line isn't that good, which, you know, they improved, but the running backs obviously going to be a big piece. It's all about that check down and, and different things like that. Now, if he can start catching for a little more yardage, sure. Uh, I feel like with him, when it comes to, you know, touchdowns, again, he had seven last year inside the 20. Uh, I feel like that number could grow. Like where you felt Dalton Schultz is going to take that step up and be a little bit stronger. I kind of feel like Fryermuth is going to be that guy. And I think he's going to end up, you know, four or five years down the road. I think he's going to be a top five tight end in the league. And as long as he stays healthy, you know, he maybe has the potential to be that consistent. Yeah, I do like Fryermuth as far as, you know, his talent, you know, his red zone usage. He was he was actually tied for number one. Um, with total targets in the red zone last year. And that was, like you said, with, you know, the first couple of weeks not really being um, all that great as, as far as, you know, his usage and, and him getting in the offense. And a lot of that obviously was him being a rookie. So he didn't have mm -hmm. he didn't have a single red zone target in week one or two. But then by the end of the season, uh, you know, week 10 and 11, he had three and four. So uh, he's one of those guys where I feel like he's going to – he's going to make his money – in the red zone and in the end zone. And I think that's difficult for tight ends. I, like I said, I do still have him ranked right around where he's going. And I think he's going to be a serviceable, usable tight end. I just don't think he's a guy that I am. I'm comfortable with going into the season as like my only tight end. I'm just going to put Fryermuth in my lineup and play him every single week and be, you know, completely content with what he gives me. I feel like if, you know, I'm in a draft and I'm, I'm, you know, say I'm kind of punting the tight end position and I end up with a guy like Fryer. What I'm generally going to do is I'm going to probably grab another tight end from that 
12 to where I have them ranked 12 to, you know, 15, 16 range and probably play matchups. So the guys that I have in my top, you know, whatever, six, seven, eight, even, uh, I would be completely content going into the season with them as my only tight end. And I think probably at number nine is where that sort of falls off for me personally. Dallas Goddard, I have ranked at nine. He's not a guy as, as much as I like the Eagles offense this year. He's not a guy that I'm I'm confident in. And, and Fryermuth is in that same boat. I think he's going to have some big games. Um, I really like him. I, and I do have him on quite a few best ball teams because I do think that whether it is Trubisky or I, I don't see Mason Rudolph winning that job, but whether it's Trubisky or Kenny Pickett uh, as a starting quarterback at some point throughout the season for the Steelers, I do think that uh, it's much easier to target the tight end, especially in the red zone, because he's the guy closest to you. You know what I mean? You're not targeting the outside receivers. You're targeting targeting that inside big body tight end. So I do think he, he does have the potential to score quite a few touchdowns. And, and like I said, his red zone usage from last year makes that a lot more likely. But uh, he's he does scare me a little bit as far as what he's going to give you every single week as far as I like to try to have a tight end that's going to win me that matchup versus the other person's tight end week to week, which I think you get with, you know, the top three or four guys, you have at least the opportunity of beating out your opponent and, and their tight end. All right, moving on to our next tight end on the list. We have Gerald Everett. Now we are both higher uh, on Everett, kind of like we both were on commit. You are much higher. Um, again, he is your tight end eight. So you've got your, your six, seven, and eight we're all talking about today. He's 14 for me. Uh, he's going right now on sleeper as uh, tight end 20. For me personally, I, I really like Everett. I think he's an extremely athletic guy. He finished as a tight end 22 last year in PPR scoring, and that was with just 63 targets. And that was also on a Seattle Seahawks team who was one of the worst offensive teams in the league last year. So I definitely see where he has room to grow in this Chargers offense in 2022. They were fifth in pace of play and second in pass attempts in the league. So, you know, definitely an, an uptick for all of their pass catchers, but especially for Everett coming from a different team. The problem is I don't see him being a much bigger part of the offense than Jared Cook was. You know, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are still there. They have Austin Eckler out of the backfield catching passes. And even uh, Josh Palmer, who's been getting, you know, a lot of praise out of camp so far this year. So as far as, you know, what I see his share in this offense being, you know, I see it being right around where Cook was. And Cook only had 83 targets last year. And I think that with uh, even if even if Everett earns – 10 more targets than than cook did i i just don't know if that's going to be enough to push him into the top you know 12 tight ends i do think you'll get a, a quite a few nice games from him where you know defenses are focusing on the other dynamic pieces of this offense and you know everett sneaks in and and snags a couple of touchdowns or or you know with his athletic ability takes a, a seam route and and just you know catches the ball and outruns the defense because he does have that kind of of ability i just feel like you know being third fourth maybe even fifth you know fiddle on that offense really limits his upside and, and i do like, like i said i do like him more than consensus than you know than average you know where where he's going in drafts 
but you have them up at eight, so I'm I'm very uh, interested in in hearing how you're how you uh, are that in on on Gerald Everett this year. I mean, you started to touch on it a little bit. Uh, pound for pound, he's in maybe the best offense in the league. I mean, you're you're looking at what the Chargers did last year, and yet didn't make the playoffs, and you know that was a whole debacle uh, at the end of the season. But to see what that position was for for that team, uh, you know, they brought Jared Cook on board and, and assumed that he was going to be what he had been in New Orleans, uh, what he had done in Oakland, and and had really been a pretty solid, consistent top five or six, you know, depending on, on how the seasons kind of flowed. 2018, 2019, he, he was a pro bowler. And, you know, he was starting to get a little older, but they brought him in and assumed that they would get it. Now, if you go back and look at even the year, uh, his second year in, in 2019, when, when he made the when he made the Pro Bowl with New Orleans, you started to see right after that a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a fall off, but, you know, it could have just been part of the offense the way it went. 2021 was not kind to Jared Cook. His, he basically was almost at like a 50% catch rate and with 83 targets. Now, he had had some issues previously in his career with drops. It just seemed like maybe it caught him at the wrong place at the wrong time. I feel like with that offense and, and with a player of, Everett's skill set that is a lot better at securing the football. And again, I, you saw Russell Wilson trust him a lot last year. That offense was really out of sync. You know, it turns out where it looks like DK Metcalf was a little more injured than, than let on. And you're looking at what they did again, inside the red zone, you had like Jared Cook getting about, you know, 13, 14 targets. Again, he just couldn't catch the football. Uh, he did have four touchdowns, you know, with the volume that he saw, that that's terrific. I feel like if you're going to put a player of this uh, ability, and he's still pretty, you know, young in his career. I mean, Everett isn't ancient. He's, he's 28, so he's pretty much hitting the prime of his career right now. He's on a two-year deal. I think with him being in that offense and with the amount of targets that, that are probably going to head his way, you know, that that's a big thing. The fact that, yes, Eckler is out of the backfield and they're they're even bringing a little competition in for him. You saw Keenan Allen getting about about almost 160 targets. Mike Williams finally broke through uh, and stayed pretty healthy uh, and he was over 100 targets. And then you're going to get into Eckler, obviously, out of the backfield. And right behind him wasn't another wide receiver. It was the tight end position. It was Jared Cook. I think Herbert it looks for those guys that can get open. You know, Allen's dragging probably double coverage. Mike Williams is going to command it a lot more too. Yes, they're going to look to stay dynamic, keep defenses off, you know, off their feet, so to speak. Cook didn't play every game either. He was a little banged up. He only played in, well, he only started in 10 games. So you could tell that there was a little bit of a fall off there. Uh, they did have a couple guys that, you know, Donald Parnum and Trey McKitty that are kind of developmental. They're still kind of young. They wouldn't have brought in Everett, if they weren't expecting him to be their starting tight end and expect him to be a pretty big part of their offense. So I do see I do see him getting into that level of top 10. Now, the, the potential is there. Is he going to be able to get, you know, targets the way I'm expecting? Is he going to get those touchdowns and be looked at, you know, in the, especially again, in the red zone? Or is he going to be able to make any big plays downfield and, and, and things of that nature? Uh, I definitely has the 
potential to. And I think to me, that's where a lot of this is. It's preseason. And I know everybody's going to look and say, well, you know, look at what they did last year and stuff like that. And I do look at that, but at the same time, I feel that he's, he's moving into an offense that really is, is night and day. Seattle, you can say what you want, but I, they don't hold the candle to the chargers when it comes to, you know, offense and that quarterback position and things of that nature. So I feel that he is uh, he's going into the right situation at the right time, and I think he has the potential to be a solid top ten tight end uh, based off of that. I don't see him being you know the Gerald Everett that was barely targeted with the Rams and barely targeted with Seattle. I, I see him being a big part of that offense, especially when it comes to goal line work, the touchdowns. Maybe that carries him, but I think that it can carry him all the way into the top ten. So how many targets do you, I mean, I know that, you know, we don't completely like stat every player out or anything like that, but like I said, he technically Jared Cook vacated 83 targets last year. Do you think that Everett gets more than that 83 because he's a better player? My thing is, and and this is, you know, and I'm, and I'm asking you this, honestly, Mm -hmm. I have a hard time seeing him, taking targets away from guys who are as explosive and reliable as Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Um, you know, obviously Eckler's going to get his, his share of targets out of the backfield. I know that they said that they wanted to maybe reduce the amount of wear and tear on Eckler. Is that where you think the extra targets are coming from? Or do you just think that Everett, because he's a, a incredible athlete, that he's just going to garner more targets just based on the fact that he's a better player than maybe we realize. Not so much garnering more targets, but being maybe more, and, and maybe I misworded, but like being the more efficient player. Again, you look where Cook basically, you know, missed half his targets. He didn't get those receptions. I, I feel like in that offense, if he's getting the same amount, if he's getting somewhere between 75 to 85 targets, which probably going to get you know close to uh, to me I, I can definitely see him being a, a you know more consistent receiver of the football than than cook was okay yeah I mean I I can absolutely see a place where that happens I guess maybe the difference for us is our is our ranking procedure or process that we go through I, I tend to I tend to rank a little bit more on safety and and almost known commodity whereas it seems like you're probably going a little bit more with having guys like Komet, Fryermuth, and Everett up as high as you do. You're kind of looking towards like these guys as being the new second half of, of those tight ends where, you know, your guys like Hawkinson have always fallen. Your guys like, um, you know, Dallas Goddard has always been stuff like that. So even like your Dawson Knox um, type tight end. So I, I guess you, you tend to rank a little bit more based off of, upside and and what they could potentially be um and i tend to maybe rank a little bit more uh based off of maybe safety and and you know kind of basing future performance off a little bit more off of past performance so maybe that's just the difference between the two of us and and i think that you know if that's the case that's that's probably that's probably a good thing our consensus ranks are probably right on then so yeah i i do i i do see the upside could could these guys all fall off a cliff sure i mean there's no I, again, they could be lower than even some of the, the way, you know, where like Everett, I have him at eight, you have him at 14. Um, the ADP has him at 20. Like, oh, he's not going to do anything. I think a lot of these guys get ignored in the preseason 
And again, they're, you know, your vanilla offenses, you're not doing anything. And then suddenly come like week four or five, it's like, oh God, they're a thing. They're actually legit. Oh, okay. Let me go out and get them. I'd rather be, you know, especially if you have a, a bigger roster where you can pick some of these guys up. To me, I'd rather have them as that commodity on my team than not. Obviously, sure. Am I going out and drafting Gerald Everett in the fourth round as my tight end number one because, you know, there started to be a little bit run on tight ends? No, but once that position's there, it's it's almost to me like, again, you're going to talk about trades down the road during the seasons, different things like that. If I'm sitting on maybe, again, you're talking a larger roster, something where it's dynasty level and you have 28 roster spots. If I'm sitting on three or four good tight ends, somebody's going to have to maybe come call them because they're going to want that piece or I need it. Again, I have uh, multiple flex positions and there's a bonus uh, for, you know, half a point or a point or even more for, for a tight end reception. Everybody can wait, but sometimes then you turn around in a draft and you're looking down the road and you're like, well, I guess Tyler Higby's my starting tight end. Well, I'll be okay. All right, let's move on to Mike Gesicki. I have Gesicki ranked at tight end 21. You have him at 13. Or he is going at ADP uh, tight end 12 right now. So this so is why, actually why one you of the hating ones. on Mike. Yeah, right. This is, this <laughs> this is, is your turn now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is actually one of the ones that I'm a lot lower on than you are, which is good because again, this this like I said, I think our our dynamic of you know kind of how we feel about these different guys and you know what goes into to to our rankings. You know, you see it from one angle, I see it from another, and and it the truth probably falls somewhere in the middle, which uh, I think is good. But yeah, we're um, both equally wrong. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my thing with Gasicki is he finished tied for tight end eight last year in PPR scoring, but he was really inefficient with his targets. He had 112 targets, and which was good for fourth in the league, but he only caught 73 receptions. And that was a 65.8% catch rate. And you were talking about that just a minute ago with Jared Cook and his poor catch rate. My thing with Kasicki is with 112 targets to only have 73 receptions and only two touchdowns, he doesn't profile to me as, again, one of those guys who is necessary for his team's success, especially considering now that they have all this added competition for targets by adding Tyreek Hill, um, even Chase Edmonds, who's a phenomenal pass catcher out of the backfield. For me, I just don't see Gusecki having a big role in this offense. And I think that with tight ends, if you if you go down and you look at any uh, fantasy stats on what is this website? We'll give them a we'll give them a shout out. I think this is <laughs> this is uh, fantasydata.com. So if you go and you filter by fantasy points. And then you go and you filter by targets, the list barely changes. Mm -hmm. Then that's not the same with even wide receivers who make most of their, you know, make most of their hay on, you know, receptions. But for tight ends, it's almost like there's a certain level of expectation. Like, you know, there's a term out there called expected fantasy points. And that's basically... You know, if you take a look at how many targets a person gets, how many attempts they get, you know, targets they get in the red zone, you know, all these different factors as far as their ad- average depth of target, you know, all this math stuff that goes into, you know, where some some of these fantasy analysts have people ranked. Gasecki was was pretty poor in most of those metrics. And now there's added target competition. 
And from what I hear, he's been doing a lot less route running in the preseason and a lot more blocking. And I don't know if that's, you know, a new wrinkle that has been put in by new head coach, Mike McDaniels, or if that, you know, he did come from San Francisco and San Francisco has always been, you know, sort of a run first team that, you know, they may not necessarily, you know, run more than they pass. I don't think any team in in the NFL really does that anymore, but they're one of the teams that are closer to 50, 50. Now, again, I'm not just going to assume that Miami is going to operate its offense in the same way. But it does seem like, again, from what I'm hearing out of training camp and from what I saw from Gusecki last year is this just kind of two negatives kind of pulling his his value down. Maybe not down as far as I have him, but I, I definitely don't see him finishing in the top 12 again, which to me just makes him a streaming option. Again, like I said, with you know guys like Friaries and stuff like that, it's not a guy that I'm going to pick in my draft and just plug him in and, you know, sort of set it and forget it type of thing. If I end up drafting Gesicki, there would definitely be another tight end on my roster by the end of that draft, because I am not comfortable going into the season with him as my only tight end. I agree with you. I mean, I I understand that offense is a pretty big question mark, so to speak. Yeah. You're talking a new coach. They're very high on Tua and and they think that he can really be the guy. Tyreek Hill came in there again, and you're saying about like, you know, fighting for for targets and stuff. Now, Gasicki had a couple pretty solid games. Week three, for instance, against the Raiders, you know, he had 10 catches on 12 targets for 86 yards. So, you know, that's where you know, like that's where he's getting his points from. I, I know what you mean in the sense that he's not a maybe complete guy where, you know, again, like versus like a Mark Andrews, but they're funneling that entire offense through somebody like that. Is he a guy you run out and get? You know, again, you, you trip over yourself, you trade up to get, and you're like, oh, no, I, I know more than everybody else. I got this guy. No, 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 not at all. I do think he's another guy that, again, he's on a franchise tag, so that's it's a possibility of a, of a one and done with him down there, and they're just, like I said, you, you said it, new coaching staff. He's not their guy. They didn't draft him. They have no ties to him. If he works out, like you say, maybe he's doing a little more blocking and staying at home to get more time for Tua to get his reads done and, and get downfield and buy that time for Tyreek Hill to stretch it. And Waddle just takes over the entire underneath target share, so to speak. And yes, Edmonds out of the backfield. And God, they have like 30 running backs down on that team that all have that dual threat ability. Yeah, it could definitely hamper his ability to be that guy. He has... He has a week or two there, and I think it's been that way for the last couple of years. He has a week or two where, you know, if you had to start him, yeah, man, he he might have won your week for you because he put up like 15, 25 points with with a monster game like that. But he's also capable of that 4.9 points a game, and you're like, yeah, you can't ride him consistently based on, on that. But what's so attractive, and, and you did kind of touch on it, yeah, he was tied for third with targets last year for the tight end position. Um, Stats-wise, like if you run him down with the position as a whole, just off of that level, like you're saying, if you filter it by targets, he's far up there. Uh, He's got like the Zach Ertz kind of stats. One of the spots where he falls off a little bit is the touchdown level, and it did look like he was underutilized near the the goal line, so to speak, or or at least in the red zone as a whole. But overall, I, I don't think he's a bad tight end, and I know that's not you're not saying that. I understand that, but depending on how that offense is really kind of being retooled, 
you know, he finished as tight end nine last year. Yeah, if if that volume's there, he's gonna be he's gonna be a decent player, but he has he has too many peaks and valleys where yes, he'll have that week where he goes and, and again he gets 12, um, 12 targets, 10 catches, and then the next week it's cut in half. And then it stays low and it stays somewhere around seven or eight. Uh, and then he gets another big bump up and, and so on and so forth. He, he's not a do not draft guy, but he's definitely a, a don't reach. Now, again, if you're looking for a, a second tight end and, you know, you're getting in the later rounds and he's still sitting out there. OK, but yeah, you, you can definitely do better than him. Again, we, we both have him outside the top 10 and, and even ADP does. Now, could he excel? Could there be an injury in that offense that maybe pushes him back to the forefront? Certainly. All right. Well, that wraps up our tight end uh, discussions. Those are the uh, the five guys that we were the farthest off on uh, as far as our, our rankings, farthest off from each other. So hopefully if anybody listening out there is, you know, kind of conflicted on any of these guys, you've you've heard, you know, both sides of the rankings for these guys. You know, like I said, consult our website for the rankings for the rest of our players. And, you know, if you have any questions, please feel free to email the show. We are at the nine route FFB at gmail.com. And speaking of our email address, don't forget, we do have that Darius Slay jersey giveaway. All you need to do to enter that is follow the show, write us a review, send us a screenshot of both. Make sure to include your full address uh, and your name so that uh, we have a, mailing address if if and when you win the jersey and uh, that's pretty much it to enter the contest just again email that to us at the nine route ffb at gmail.com we'd like to take a minute to thank mickey's pub in tuckered in new jersey for partnering with the show if you're looking for a great place to watch the nfl games on sunday mickey's is it great food drink specials and all the football you can handle 327 east main street in downtown tuckered where friends and family meet. Before we uh, head out, do you have any any other uh, any other tight end guys you want to throw out there real quick? Anybody you're high on or? I, I again rookies. Yeah, love me to rookies. Love the tight ends. Like to get in there. Uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, I heard he was struggling in camp and then came out and had a nice nice little preseason game. Two catches, two touchdowns. Um, I'll I'll continue to ride him. His athletic ability was off the charts. He's with Matt Ryan. He's in a pretty reasonable offense with the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, he's a name for, for I think, a lot of people to, you know, keep their eye on throughout the season. If you're looking to draft in Dynasty, I know a lot of people already know he was a little under the radar on that level. But, yeah, he's a guy I like. And a couple of the guys that were drafted in Baltimore, uh, the one Charlie Kohler, I believe, was going to get a sports hernia surgery. So he's somebody you would – Definitely stash on your roster on Dynasty. But Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, I think they're pretty big on as well. They were almost drafted, you know, one and two. The way that offense runs, they really don't have a ton of wide receiver. I know Rashad Bateman season's coming, if you believe in that. I'll believe it when I see it. So I think that's going to run through the tight ends, and you're going to see that big dominant bully ball that, that they like to run in Baltimore. So he's another name, Isaiah Likely from Baltimore and Jelani Woods from the Indianapolis Colts are two guys to – Keep on your radar, especially on that dynasty level or or a deep, deep last round grab on a redraft league or something like that where some of these guys might turn around and shine. Yeah, I want to give one quick just little little plug to Austin Hooper. I think that uh, yes. apparently he's, you know, 
him and Ryan Tannehill have really, you know, hit it off in camp, you know, with the, everybody kind of expected Traylon Burks to come right in and just sort of take over as, you know, the AJ Brown role in this offense. And, and so far it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So, you know, Robert Woods is uh, looking like the number one wide receiver in that offense. And uh, yeah, I think Austin Hooper could have a, a big season. We have him ranked down uh, consensus at number 18. But uh, he's going as the, the tight end 23 on sleeper, and uh, I think he's definitely a uh, one of those sleeper tight end picks. He, he, he got to remember he did finish in the top six, which is you know really where I'm looking. If you're if you're in a 12 team league, top six is top half. So um, he finished top six in the, at the tight end position twice in 2018 and 2019, and I think that there's the potential that he could uh, maybe not top six again this year because I don't see. I mean, Tennessee's offense obviously runs through Derrick Henry, but uh, I do think that he could potentially be the second pass catching option on this team. If, if they had a little bit more passing volume, uh, I would be a little bit more excited, but he is a guy that I'm, I'm grabbing late in drafts and, and kind of just sticking on the end of my bench in the hopes that, you know, that he does become the second option on the team and, and uh, you know, maybe a, a red zone option for, you know, Ryan Tannehill. So. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for today's episode. Unless you have anything else you want to put out there? No. I uh, was going to say thank you to Mickey's again. Yep. Keep plugging away on that contest, folks. We're, we're looking for you to join us here uh, on the NIRAP. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And I think next we're going to move into running back territory. Uh, I smell two-parter, but uh, <laughs> you know, we will probably attack our talking, top. I take three. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Oh, God. We can't do that to him. We got to get to everybody today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be doing that shortly and look for that as well. Look for this tight end episode. And we hope that we give you some information, some clues, some tips, some uh, some knowledge to win your league. I uh, hope you have fun doing it. We have a lot of fun doing it on our end. And we really appreciate everybody out there listening to us uh, here at the Nine Route. So with that being said, we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>